Welcome to the Wild Abide Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Allness. I am so excited to lead you on this journey of shaking off shame, stirring up hope, and running after our dreams together. Let's go. Hello, friend. Welcome to today's episode. Before we jump into an amazing conversation with Amy Stockstill, who is a gift to this world, for real, I think you guys are going to be so dang blessed by who she is and the way that she empowers women to use their voice for the kingdom of God. It is powerful. You're going to love it. But before we hop into that, I have a few just quick announcements that I want to make and I just want to touch base with you guys. First off, I have something free for you guys. Um, If you want to go to my website, thewildabide.com slash abide, you will find a link to five steps to reviving your quiet time with Jesus. It's a little free um, guide that helps you walk through the process and the mindset shift to really transform your time with Jesus, whether you've been having it for forever or it's still kind of new to you. And that kind of goes along with a resource that I am creating as a thank you for pre-ordering a copy of I Like Your Tenacity. And that's right. I Like Your Tenacity is officially available for pre-order. Everything has been a little up in the air and a little crazy with COVID-19 and potential shipping delays and all of that, but we're working on getting these books to you as fast as you can, and the best way to do that and the best way to support both The Wild Abide and other small businesses that we collaborate with is going to thewildabide.com slash shop and pre-ordering a copy directly from our website. We will be getting out the Abide mini course to you um, shortly after you order, and it would just mean so much if you would go and place that pre-order. So that's what we have going on right now. I am so excited to bring you today's episode with Amy, and we're not going to wait any longer. Let's dive in. Hey, Amy, welcome to the Wild Abide podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. I am so excited to be with you, Olivia, and I wish the people could have heard the pre-connection to our connection. You guys, Olivia's heart for you is beautiful, and I'm honored to be a part. Oh, man, we are. I am just so excited to have you here today, and I would love it if we just start out by giving our listener a little bit of insight into you, your life, and let's echo. Okay, I would love it. Well, my name is Amy Stockstill, and I am now officially a beach dweller. I live in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I have been here for one month. I've followed my husband of almost a decade. We will be 10 years in September 4th, and I am planning a top secret vow renewal service (laughs) so that I can get a new dress and renew our love. I have lots of um, plans that he does not know about, so I'm not going to let him listen to this podcast until next year. (laughs) But we do live by the beach and my husband um, runs an organization called Surge. It's planted about 30,000 churches around the world and but none domestically. So in 2020, the vision is to begin planting churches in South Florida as the domestic branch of Surge. And I run a company called Let's Echo. 
started in 2017 and we started with weekends. I always kind of laugh because in the business world, I basically started backwards. I started with retreats <laughs> because I really wanted to teach girls how to communicate the gospel with confidence. And I love hospitality. So I wanted to do it in my home. And that is how I started Let's Echo. Now, last this past December, we just did our 10th retreat. And we are moving into online resources. And God has called me to write this year. So I'll begin to write resources. Uh, so for, it's very, very, very exciting and scary and an honor and a privilege and an adventure and all the words. And my heart is really for girls in their 20s and 30s. But God has moved on my heart to also allow really any age to come to the weekends. So that's kind of who we are in a nutshell is it is our heart to train, develop, encourage, support, empower women communicators of the gospel because we believe that every woman has a voice that they can develop to make a difference. I absolutely am such a big fan of everything that you're doing. <laughs> you guys have one of the most like fire Instagram accounts too. Yeah. Thank you. And I see among like writer and speaker friends, we're all like constantly, yeah. I feel like sharing. Deco.co people, follow yeah. us. It's so good. So Thank I want to hear fun. a little bit about how you became passionate about women using their voices. Sure. I went to school for interior design, went to LSU, go Tigers. We are national champs this year. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I went to school for interior design. I really thought I was going to move to New York City and live in a tiny little apartment with 10 people until I got my own TV show. <laughs> I was going to be Joanna Gaines before Joanna Gaines wanted to be Joanna Gaines. I love it. Around. And that's what I was going to do. And then I married a pastor. And when we got married, he was like, you're a minister now. And we're going to do ministry together. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, well, I don't even know what that means, but that's awesome. And the first time I did do an internship, I'm trying to figure out how long to go, how far to go back because my speaking journey, God's been developing my whole life. But when I was an intern, I was 21 and I stopped interior design school to do this internship for a year. And my parents were like, what is your problem? You're never going to go back to school. <laughs> And it, I had to apply to get into design school because at LSU, they only allow 40 people in per year and in the design school, it's very competitive. So I went to my school and I kind of put out a fleece before the Lord and said, this is what you want me to do. You've got to hold my spot for me. And they never do that, but they made an exception for me to take a year off of school and do an internship. Wild. And yes. And at the internship, you had to, to preach, you had to do a small group and you had to open air preach. So I did a small group, kind of no problem. They would give us the message. And really it was just, I would say some things, but more I was just connecting with inner city junior high kids. That's really who I cut my teeth on preaching. So God bless their souls. Yep. <laughs> it was like six in the morning. They're there for donuts and I'm trying to preach them this glorious message. Caleb but says that, all the time, it's the hardest group the hardest. that you'll ever preach to. Junior They're high. like throwing stuff at each other and kicking each other. They don't even care that you're there. They're like, give me the donut and stop talking lady. Yes. <laughs> but that same year, so I was 21 that same year, I went to New York city on a mission trip and you had to open air preach. And there was like 20 of us on the trip. 
and they gave a time for each person to preach and they wanted me to go first. And I totally froze. I remember we were in Times Square. They did, they used um, dancers to like draw a crowd. And then they gave me the microphone and crickets. And they, they kept looking at me like, what are you, what's happening? And I couldn't say anything. I totally got so petrified, total, just lost all my words. And then later on, in the, so the rest of the trip, I was just running, like, don't ask me. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, never, never. Well, the last day they were, we were there, they said, Amy, this is, you have to do this. You can do this. Like, what's your problem? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have anything to say. And I don't like people. And I don't know what's going to listen to me. And I don't know the Bible. You know, you just have all these lies going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. And again, they drew a crowd and it was my turn to speak. And I literally freaked out and ran to the bathroom. <laughs> and I hit, I'm telling you, Olivia, I go into this bathroom and there's a woman, a homeless woman living in the handicap stall. And mm. I'm in the bathroom hiding and she's in the bathroom living. Mm. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, this is exactly where the enemy wants you to end up hiding side being, and she was talking out of her mind and here, yeah. but we were both, the enemy was doing that to both of us. I was silent, but she was speaking out of her mind and it was both a ploy of the enemy. Yeah. It was the first time that I felt like, whoa, this is bigger than me. Something this is even evil. Like this is the enemy Mm. keeping me silent when I have Jesus living on the inside of me and I'm making it about me when there's lost souls everywhere. So that's kind of the very start of my journey. And then when I got married to my husband, a lot of that came back up because we had a woman who was supposed to preach at our conference and we had really big conferences back then about 6,000 youth would come and we'd do a break-off session where the girls would preach. And this woman was scheduled, but she went on um, baby maternity or like bed rest a few days before the conference. And so my husband was like, okay, Amy, there's no one else. It's you. (laughs) Like, are you crazy? (laughs) Like, no, I am not doing that. And I'm not being, I'm not being, this is not false humility. It was horrible. Like (laughs) I could not wait to get off of the stage they could not wait for me to get off the stage. And I just told Joe I'd crumbled. And I was like, I am not cut out for this. I do not. I never planned on speaking. I don't want to speak. This is horrible. And thankfully, my husband was just like, look, you're not going to be the best. This is your first time. Of course, yeah. you're horrible. You've never done this before. I didn't expect you to be good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's good to know. But it was really through those journeys of you know, I never set out to be a speaker, but I kept saying yes when I was needed. Mm-hmm. And I was always, I, I started off being the second choice, but I said yes anyway. Yeah. And I, I didn't end up doing amazing, but that's where the heart for development came from. My own story yeah. of just wanting to say yes to God, even though I was afraid. And then coming to the realization that we don't start off as superstars. We don't start off mm-hmm. as Kobe, you know? Yeah. We have to practice. We have to get out there and we have to fail in front of some, we have to cut our teeth on somebody. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, okay. And as God now, I mean, I truly, God brought me from hiding in a bathroom stall to speaking on stages of thousands. And I love it now. Yeah, but it, It's been a journey. And so I started speaking when I was 21, like I said, and that's really where the heart of echo came from to train girls young and to help them. Cause a lot of times women speak, they bomb and they never want to speak again. True. But it's only because they need development. It's not because they're not called. 
That's so good. So on that note, let's talk about some of the common struggles that hold women back from speaking. I know you definitely like highlighted some of them in your story, but I would love to hear kind of that list of that lowdown of what holds a lot of women back. Cause I think there's, I think there's fear for everyone when it comes to speaking and preaching and using our voice, but women seem to have any ex- some extra levels of struggle when it comes to this. Sure. I think that's culturally, there's, there's definitely several that stick out. And the truth, the, the more I study the craft of speaking, the more mm-hmm. I am very intrigued by the beliefs that we have because they're half truths. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people think that they don't have anything to say. And when I first started out, I'd be like, oh, that's not true. But the truth is, it might be true. Maybe you don't have anything to say yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because you haven't spent time in the word. Maybe it's because you haven't developed that the content side of your brain. And that's a half truth. It doesn't mean that you have nothing to say ever. It means that you need to develop the things that God has put on your heart. Another one is that they feel like they can't speak well. And again, this is half true. It's like, well, maybe you can't, but we've been reading about Moses. And what's fascinating about the story of Moses, it says that he pleaded three times for the Lord to not use, first it says that he protested. He protested that the Lord would not use him. And then it just came down to like straight up begging, like, please do not make me speak God. And what's so fascinating that that I really, that stuck out to me this time reading Moses' story is that God did not say to him, he didn't argue with him. He didn't say, oh no, you're a great speaker. But you know what he said? He said, okay, finally, after he pleaded with him for the second time, God said, okay, I will give you Aaron because I know that Aaron can speak well. So essentially he's agreeing with Moses and he's saying, yeah, I kind of know that you can't speak well. So I'll give you Aaron because I know he can speak well. (laughs) And in this one story, God is acknowledging our greatest fear that we can't speak well, but he's also saying, I'm the God of the universe. And I know that you can't speak well, but I chose you anyway. I chose you anyway, Moses. I have been um, speaking from Jeremiah chapter one as well place recently and they talk about how jeremiah's basically protest was i don't know how to speak i'm too young and god didn't actually like respond by saying no jeremiah you're doing a great job like you're really good I, it's <laughs> like no i got this it's not about you it's about yeah. me <laughs> it's about me <laughs> and that's the whole art heart of echo because all through throughout we see god saying i don't want you to come up with your own message i want you to repeat what i'm telling you Yeah. And that's another huge thing that people feel like they have to be unique. I know this was a a huge thing for me. I felt like I don't have anything unique to say. I don't have anything that's Mm going to impress people. I don't have a new angle. And I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says that even in literature and art, no man who bothers to be original will ever be original. (laughs) Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, Without caring two pence, how often it's been told before, you will nine times out of 10 become original without ever having noticed. And that's the Christianity. I love that quote because it gives us freedom to say, I don't have to come up with something amazing. 
all I have to do, and, and, and the, really the verse of Echo is John 12, 49. These are the words of Jesus. He says that I only say what I hear my father saying. I thought that everything that Jesus said was original to Jesus. But if you pay attention, he says, you've heard it said. And he, he uses what the rabbis were already saying and he puts his own spin on it. He did not come up with what he said. He, in fact, only said what he heard his father say. And that's what we have to do. So these, these arguments that we have in our head, instead of trying to say, that's not true, that's not true, we can simply say, okay, that's a half truth. I may not have anything to say yet. I may not speak very well yet. <laughs> I, I don't have to be original because all I have to do is echo the heart of the father. And that's how we overcome this mindset and this culture of women being silenced is to say, all right, there's some truth in that. Do women step up and sometimes bomb in speaking? Yes. But that's why I think we need training because here's the truth, Olivia. The church, the doors to the church are cracking open for women to speak. They're, it's not full swing, but thankfully, like women like Christine Kane and Amy, Amy Simple McPherson and Mariah Woodworth Etter, who was the mother of Pentecost, all these women who have gone before us, Mama Baker, you know, Heidi Baker, we can stand, they, they are literally like cracking the door open for us. But if the door were to swing wide open for women right now and they were to step into the pulpit right now, a lot of them would bomb. That's just the truth because they, they, they're not starting small. Yeah. We're fighting for pulpit equality, but we're not even willing to have a person in our home and share the gospel with them. And we have to be trained. We have to see preaching the gospel as a craft that we get to develop and not just beating the door down for someone to, op to open up the pulpit and the microphone to us. Because we, unless we're trained and our training and our development opens doors for us. See, we want the opposite. We want to sit back and wait and say, when God gives me the opportunity, that then I'll develop. But the Lord's saying, why don't you go ahead and develop? So that development will open the door when you're ready. Oh, this is so good. A question that's not on our little list, but I would love to hear your advice, what would you tell someone who feels like they're in that hidden season of developing? What are some practical ways that if someone says like, I feel like I'm called to preach the gospel or I'm called to speak. And I feel like I have a story of God's goodness in my life that I need to talk about, but you know, I feel like I'm in a really hidden place. Yes. I What's your advice? Congratulations. I would say congratulations. Being hidden and being anonymous is the greatest gift that God gives young speakers. Truly, because you, you are going to fail and it's better to fail in the, the fewest amount of people with the few <laughs> amount of people in your audience <laughs> as possible. So I would say really embrace this season and enjoy the solitude and, the, and being anonymous right now, because once the Lord does give you a platform, you can't go back. And that's really been a, the struggle of my life is wanting to be anonymous and also wanting to make a massive impact. <laughs> it's a very large internal struggle, 
um, because I remember the, the days of no one knowing who I am. I remember the days of being able to sit in the back of the church. And I remember the days of having no accountability and being able to do what I want. And, you know, and there's a sacrifice and being well-known and the, the greater your influence, the more you sacrifice. So in this time, I would say if you are um, feeling the call to speak, which I believe every woman has the call to spread the gospel through their voice, but you don't feel like you have a platform, I would say right now is the greatest time for you to speak to yourself. It's the greatest time for you to speak truth and life and boldness and revelation to yourself. You have the ability to practice to yourself in front of a mirror, which nobody ever wants to do but it's one of the best ways to develop. And I would say, do, I always tell people this, do full on, write a five minute message out or a 10 minute Mm -hmm. message and get a hairbrush and record yourself and don't let yourself stop. Like put a timer on there for 10 minutes and preach to yourself. If you cannot preach to yourself full on, like you're preaching to a crusade, you are going to not love it when you get on stage. You you know what I mean? (laughs) You are going to be like, I did not. I think a lot of people want the stage when they've never been on it and then they step on it and they're like, whoa, this is not what I wanted. I think they get confused. They want the accolades, but they don't want the sacrifice um, Mm. of the stage. So in this moment of your life, I would say pour into a small group. The very best thing that any woman of God can do, not only to propagate the gospel, but also to develop their own voice is to have a small group. Week after week, when you are forced to develop content, it's the best thing for you. Yeah. I found even some of the stuff that I'm doing with the Wild Abide right now started in the small group I led in college. Like the concept of No Shame November was something that started in my college small group in my little apartment, you know, with girls from different seasons of life. And I, that particular small group, I had girls who had just finished schools of ministry. I had girls who were coming in with, you know, like pretty, just like really basic ground level or somebody didn't know Jesus at all. And I was like, how do I prepare like <laughs> messages for this diversity, like rich yeah. group of young women? And that's really where I know I had to learn how to like, okay, how do I hear God's voice sure. and what he wants to say in this particular week to these particular girls, rather than even sometimes going on a formula or right you know, trying to be like, okay, what am I supposed to like hit? And, you know, there's still, obviously, if you're part of a ministry or a church, there might be like requirements and stuff that you want to honor, but it was such a good lesson in just learning how to, to hear God and to speak what people needed to hear and to partner with the Lord in that process. Absolutely. And a small group is the safest way for you to beta test what resonates with people. Yeah. I've studied humor a lot and comedians and a trick of their trade is they always test out their jokes. Like the Mm -hmm. big time people, they test out their jokes in one-on-one conversation and they (laughs) see like, does, can I get a laugh out of this joke? And if it does, then they'll take it to a smaller group and they'll develop it. And then once you see a comedian to like deliver their best joke that that joke has been told so many times in so many contexts and they've perfected it. 
And that's what we can do in a small group, even in one-on-one conversation. You can test revelation. You can test the timing of jokes or humor or when you release the punchline or when you release like the the main thing that God has given you. It's also um, small groups are an amazing time for you to learn how to listen to people, which Mm -hmm. is a secret ingredient of speaking well is listening well. There's so there's tons of things that you can develop in a small group when nobody knows who you are. So it's, it's really, it's a really, truly a gift from heaven to be unknown. That's so good. So another off off script question is what advice would you give for someone who feels like they talk too much? Like they go into a small group setting and they're like, Oh my gosh, I just feel like I rambled and like might even have some like shame around talking too much or being too talkative. That's, that's real. And I think it's very key to self-awareness for you to understand if you're talking too much. This is vitally important to being a good speaker is understanding when people give you clues when you've talked too much. They start talking to other people. They start looking away. They start checking their phone and they're telling you, I'm done listening. One of my favorite quotes is um, a lady, I forget her name. I should know her name, but she says, the key to speaking is to be done talking before your audience is done listening. (laughs) (laughs) The great, and you can, again, you can practice this in conversation. You can notice, are people interested in what I'm saying? If they are, they're going to give me eye contact. They're going to ask me questions. That's a clue to tell me to keep talking. And self-awareness is the personal growth is all about self-awareness. Yeah. And, and self-awareness and personal growth is the, is the really the best thing that you can do to develop yourself as a speaker. And it's a discipline. So if you're self-aware, then you say, all right, the next time I go in to speak, I'm going to have a clock. And even if people, it doesn't even matter if people see this clock, this is why you practice in front of small groups put a five minute timer on. And even if that timer goes off in the middle of your sentence, stop speaking. Cause yeah. the hardest thing for most people to do is land the plane. They'll talk 15 minutes, just trying to stop talking. So true. <laughs> you know, so, so be, I mean, you talk about being unashamed, be unashamed in disciplining yourself as a speaker. This is part of seeing speaking as a craft, put that timer on. And when that timer goes off, shut her down. Good advice. Yeah, yeah, we we did that practice with uh, our discipleship school last year. We had little preach labs and we had 10 minutes and mm-hmm. it's hard to preach a message in 10 minutes, but it is such a good skill to learn, like how to keep it short, and sweet. Did that. short and sweet. And a, a, a really practical tip is that if you have 10 minutes, this is an, another thing that I teach because I am very spontaneous. But if you plan for spontaneity, you'll hit your mark, (laughs) which that sounds counterintuitive. So, but if you have 10 minutes, always know that when you're speaking, you want the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Obviously you want it to be his words, but you also have to prepare. So where's the balance? So Mm -hmm. the 80, 20 rule always comes in handy. So if you have 10 minutes, take eight of those minutes where it's planned out, but then give yourself two minutes for the Holy spirit to say something that you never thought about, which is probably going to be the best part of your message anyway. 
But rambling and giving time for the Holy Spirit are two different things. People (laughs) ramble when they're not prepared. Truth, 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 truth. I have found that I'm learning kind of my sweet spot. And if I like script things out too much, it feels... Well, it feels a little too forced or I yeah. feel like I, I switched into like a, a reading voice uh-huh. rather than a more relational voice. But if I uh-huh. don't have enough, I will ramble for too long. And so I've, I've been learning kind of the sweet spot about like, okay, how do I like prepare my transitions and know where I'm going and how I'm getting there without it feeling yeah, robotic or forced. Yeah. So it's a practice. Oh. It's, it's a fun practice, but yeah, use that 80, 20 rule plan. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. So I want to ask how do women in churches who might not believe in female pastors still step out in obedience while honoring the leadership above them? Cause I know a lot of women kind of run into this mm-hmm. and I know we've already kind of hit the myth that you have to be in a pulpit to use your voice for God, but let's just talk about, yeah. How do you honor leadership? Even if you might not agree with them. This is one of the hardest questions and most frequent questions that I get sadly, because a lot of people go to churches where pastors, I don't know, honestly, that pastors, most pastors these days, there are pastors that are against women, but most are open to women, but they have no idea how to integrate them into the systems that they have already set up. So number one, I would say, if you're in a church where you don't feel like there's room for women, pray and ask the Lord to give your pastor practical ways to give you a platform. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we get bitter at our pastors and we make up this whole narrative in our head that they're not for us and they don't want us. And But truthfully, they're trying to navigate a million things. And, and the, the, the women, um, issue at hand is, is huge in itself, but it's one of 800 things they're trying to navigate. So if we activate our power through prayer and ask the Lord to give our pastors ideas of how they can release us, I think that's a great way for us to start. But secondly, I don't know many pastors that are against small groups. In fact, I think a lot, most pastors would love for women to start (laughs) small groups. So I think, again, we're, we're waiting for pulpit equality and let's echo and myself in general, that's not a, a hill that I'm willing to die for. I am not pushing the agenda of women being in the pulpit. Although I believe that women, a woman could stand on almost any stage and the Lord could speak to her and and she could thrive and her audience members could, could thrive and, and be changed by the power of God. But if we, so many times we stay, we silence ourselves by only waiting for the pulpit, which makes no sense. (laughs) It makes no sense. It's true though. It's like, you know what? Let me start what God has called because here's the truth for, for your, the audience that's listening to this and for my audience that will listen to it. The amount of women that are going to stand on a stage is a very small, although God can do whatever he wants. That should not be the thrust of our desire. If our desire is to change the people that God brings into our life, 
which I believe that it is for most, if that leads to a stage, yes and amen. If it doesn't, God bless those who, who it does lead to a stage for them. Um, the number one thing I would say to women, just in this specific question about how to, how to stay in a church is that sometimes if that is a very, very strong on your heart, it does more damage and you can't, and if you can't get over the fact that your pastor is not giving you a platform, if in your heart, all you can do is speak against the pastor, it's better for you to find a church that believes in it. I see this all Mm -hmm. the time. Women are staying in their churches and nonstop speaking death over their pastor and slandering their pastor and being angry at their pastor. And this is going to close every door you even think that you have. When you begin to slander authority and speak against authority, this is not something that that brings us favor and opens doors. So I I wouldn't, I, I, I hesitate to tell anyone to leave their local church, but if it in your heart, either you need to get your heart right, repent and ask the Lord to help you, or there's thousands of churches that believe in women. So don't Mm -hmm. stay at a church and think, I heard a woman say to me, I had a conversation with her where we were in a public setting and she was bashing her pastor. Mm. And I just said, I'm so sorry. I cannot be in this conversation. I'm like, we, we cannot sit around as women of God and bash the authority that God has put in place. I'm like, and why don't you go to a different church if this is because it's toxic. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, God has placed me there to teach him a lesson. My heart really hurt for her mm-hmm. because God does not do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that femininity and the feminist, uh, you know, the feminist movement from the world has crept in a little bit when mm-hmm. we're saying statements like that. It's not our place to bring uh, change and correction to our, our authority. Yeah. But we can obey God by starting what he's put on our heart, obviously under the covering of our pastors. And when I started Echo, really, I prayed about Echo for a year and I kept bringing it to my husband and saying, this is what I see. This is what's in my spirit. And my husband said, I don't see it for a year, Olivia. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I see it and it's growing and it's bigger in my spirit more than ever. And I kept, and I didn't, I was going to do it when he gave me the blessing. Yeah. I kept bringing it to him, kept bringing it to him. And after a year, he said, I see it. I'm like, well, I don't know what took you so long. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the prophet here? But, um, you know, but, but after his blessing and had I started something without his blessing, I don't know that the Lord would have blessed it like he had. So that's a long, but I'm very passionate about that because it's a huge thing that we deal with. Yeah, it is such a major conversation that I think the church is having right now um, at, at large, just kind of wrestling with this moving forward. And I love what you said about, you know, like waiting for the right timing and like having that covering of even just like, you know, your husband being fully on board. Um, I've kind of had sometimes the reverse where sometimes I've wanted to quit. And my husband's been the one like, nope, we're not quitting yet. Oh, a million percent. (laughs) You're not getting another part-time job. Like, nope. And I'm like, but it would be so practical if I just got a part-time job, you know, like I could do it. And he's like, "Mm, nope. 
Yep, sister. Put your hand <laughs> on the pile. <laughs> it's and interesting. It's such a gap. It, I've been reading in Exodus, and just at the end of Exodus, when they're building the tabernacle, several times it says that all of the women who were willing brought their skill all of the women who were willing. And that's truly, if you look at the overarching story of the gospel, God is looking for men and women Mm -hmm. who are willing and eager to build his house. Yeah. And if our hearts can stay there, God will open any door that he has for us to, to bring his word to the hurting world and to the church at large. So good. Yeah. It's about building his kingdom, his name, not ours, not ours, baby. And look, that's a huge temptation. You think Mm -hmm. you start off doing it for the Lord and then you get a little bit of praise and you're like, Ooh, I'm getting good at this. And then the (laughs) Lord has to bring some correction and there's ebbs and flows, you know, there's ebbs and flows, but the Lord looks out for us, number one, and he'll put his finger on your heart and say, Ooh, there's some pride here. There's, there's some bitterness here against this pastor. There's some hurt here. Let's work this out. Cause that's what he does. He doesn't just use us as puppets to speak to the world. He cares about us, number one. And he uses what we've gone through to reach other people that are hurting. Yeah. Do you have any personal story of maybe a time where, you know, you'd already learned some of the, the practical skills of speaking and maybe got a little like lazy or proud and all of a sudden like bombed out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Several, <laughs> a minty, a minty time. Actually, there was, and it's interesting as you grow as a speaker, God has grace for some things mm-hmm. that you do. And then when he continues to grow you, he's like, I had grace for you when you were a baby in this, but now we're going to get to some meat. And I'm going to change some things. And that's what happened to me. I'm a storyteller by nature. And I began, this is really the story of my life. I, my tendency is to rely on the gifts and talents that God has given me Mm -hmm. and not to rely on him. And because I'm a seven on the Enneagram and very spontaneous and I don't like to plan, um, I will just be like, oh God, like I'm a great speaker. I'll just lean on that. And so I got in a place where I was leaning on my storytelling above studying. Yeah. And there was three or four engagements in a row. I was speaking several times a month. This was in 2018. And the Lord was taking me from an entertaining, inspiring speaker. And he was teaching me more about the prophetic, which the prophetic, for those of you who may not know, is taking the word of God that might be like have an edge to it and speaking the revelation that God is giving for the church today. So Mm -hmm. God was training me in prophetic speaking and I was still continuing to lean on storytelling only. Yeah. And, and so there was four times where the Lord was growing me as a speaker and four times in a row where it was very, very bad. And Mm -hmm. I told my husband, I was like, something is happening. I'm like, God is transitioning me in the content and what I even care about as a speaker. Because at first I cared about the audience laughing. I cared about the audience having fun. I cared about the audience wanting to hear me again. And as God was transitioning me as a speaker, what I'm caring about is I want the audience to know the Bible better. I want the audience to know God better. I want the audience to, to feel 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they can become more like Jesus if they would allow the Holy Spirit to mold them in this way. And I was like, God, this is really, really hard because as a storyteller, I can just lean on entertaining, Mm -hmm. but as a teacher and a prophetic voice, I use storytelling, but I've got to study to show myself the truth. And that was really hard. So I told Joel, I'm like, something is happening and I really don't like it. I'm not enjoying, I don't, I'm not having fun speaking. And my husband is a very challenging and he, he's so smart. He does like Jesus. And he just asks you questions that you can't even answer. And (laughs) he said, well, I only have one question for you. And I'm like, yes. He's like, did God call you to have fun while you're speaking? And I was like, well, that's tricky because I think yes and no. And he said, but is the goal of your speaking for you to have fun? I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not the goal. And he's like, well, I think that you've made this speaking about you enjoying yourself and not about the people enjoying God. Ugh. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> true. So that's, yes, I have done that. I have leaned on my own and it's, it's, it's a paradox because obviously I'm leaning on what God has given me. I'm leaning on yeah. the, time, the gifting, the humor, the connection with people. I don't, didn't come up with that. God did. But when you lean on those things above studying and being with God, it's very obvious. Yeah. Oh man. This is all so good. I, I want to hear just maybe a few more practical tips. We've talked about small groups. We've talked about kind of some of that, but what are some ways that like every single woman can use their voice, no matter if they are ever going to speak on a stage or not. Mm -hmm. And no matter what their schedule looks like, and Mm -hmm. no matter all kind of our unique stories, how can we use our voice to spread the gospel and build God's kingdom? It's clear as day in the Bible. And it's one word testimony. Mm -hmm. We all have a testimony that God has. And really we all have multiple testimonies. I think a lot of times people think that your testimony is strictly for your salvation story, but in Psalms, I just read it today. He said that I will tell the world of your wondrous works, all the things that you have done. And this is the thing, like, yes, God saved us, but that's the first of many things that God has done for us. We have, we should have testimonies. I mean, testimony about finances, testimony about healing, testimony about God, even bringing us friends when we were lonely testimonies about God, setting us free from lust or depression. I mean, there are endless testimonies that God has done in each and every one of our lives. And it's why we continue to serve God. God woos us into salvation, but that's the beginning of the works that he does. And we continue to serve God because he continues to do things for us. So if wherever you are in your workplace, at school, at even at church, in your family, you don't have to present this very put together message. You can literally, if you're excited about something that God has done, you can say, I'm so, let me just tell you what I'm excited about. I love that. Recently, I obviously I love design and I don't get to practice design much and I did not anticipate this when I moved to Florida, 
but I got to redesign my condo and God used the gift of interior design to bring healing to my heart in a very difficult transition. And that is a beautiful testimony to the Lord. I did not even realize, you know, a lot of times I, in, in the past, I thought that my gifts are only to serve other people, but God gave gifts to us that even serve us. The gift of interior design God used to bring healing in my heart. And that's a testimony that I'm pumped about that yeah. I can say to anyone that I meet, guess what God just did for me. And even through design, Joel and I, my husband and I, we sowed a seed, a significant seed to a missions organization. And then we went to restoration hardware and we were talking to this girl and I was just being myself, you know, meeting with her. And I'd never met her before. And about 20 minutes in, she said, you know what? you guys are really nice. She's like, most people that come in here are, you know, snotty and they're just not very nice, but I really like you guys. And I'm going to give you guys a, my friends and family discount of 40% off. Nice. I'm like, Why? <laughs> and she's like, cause you're just so nice. And that is a testimony. You know, yeah. we sowed a significant seed, a sacrificial seed. And in return, the Lord saved us thousands of dollars on furniture like that. Mm -hmm. So we think it has to be something that's very deep and very spiritual. But when we just talk to people about the wonderful things that God is consistently doing for us, it gives them hope that God cares about the little things in their life too. And that opens doors. And the key that I'm like hearing as you talk about these stories and these testimonies is that you have to be on the lookout for it. Yeah. Like it's so easy to miss those little moments of God working in our lives, but you got to like keep your eyes open. Absolutely. I actually have a document on my phone. It's called capture. And anytime anything like that happens, I just go to the note in my phone and I just write out the capture. I just write out, this is what God's done. And that's a really okay. practical way. And if you keep your eyes all open, you could have a testimony every day. You could have multiple yeah. testimonies every day. And even at the grocery store, like I say, you are not ready to preach to a crowd. If you will not tell the cashier about God. Yeah. You have people all around you, divine appointments, people who desperately need the gospel students. You, you could sit by them in your class. Look for the girl that's sitting alone at lunch. Look for the girl. I just met a girl at my workout gym and um, a girl in my building, she's a, a girl that's in college. It's her last year of school. And she has no idea what she wants to do with her life. And I've been praying for her and we're meeting for coffee next week. And that was an opportunity. Like I could have been at the gym and just said, I'm at the gym. I don't want to talk to anybody. But I said, hello. You know, like yeah. people think that it's so complicated, but literally one word, one smile, one hello can spark a conversation that gives you the opportunity to speak for God. Oh man, that is so good. No one's off the hook. No one's off we're, the hook. We're all in the team. <laughs> no, and it's like, stop praying for Pete, for God to give you opportunities. Start praying for you to see the opportunity and seize it. Cause he gives you opportunities all day long. Yeah. That's the truth. Oh my goodness. We could talk about this for hours. Yes, and I really could. I'll come to the next Echo Weekend and we will talk about it for hours. It'll be great. Yes. But I want to move into our little rapid fire section and ask you a few fun questions. Love it. Okay. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Interior designer. I knew that I wanted to be an interior designer since 
I can ever even remember. I used to watch Trading Spaces. I don't know. Yes, I remember that. Every day after school, I would come home and get a snack and watch Trading Spaces. And there literally wasn't a single weekend that I did not rearrange my tiny little bedroom. So yeah, that's what I want to be, interior designer. I don't get to practice it, but I believe that God's going to bring that around one day. Yeah. And even in your own home. Yeah. In my own home. Yep. I love it. So how is your life today different than you dreamed it would be like in college? In college, my dream was to move to Manhattan and live in a little bitty apartment, like we said earlier, and have my own TV show. I love, love design. I love hosting things. So it does look slightly different, but still with the Echo Weekends, which is a four-day weekend for women to come together and learn how to practically communicate the gospel with confidence. I use my design skills. I use my hospitality skills. I do tons of video work. So it's not exactly how I imagined, but all the same passions are still there. They're just expressing themselves in different ways. So fun. What does dreaming with God look like in your life? I dream with God constantly, Mm -hmm. uh, but the way that I hear God's voice And the dreams and ideas that he has for me, I feel like the main two ways that I do that is during my daily quiet times, I have a time where I journal and on one side of the page, I'll journal prayer journal and I write what God's speaking to me through the scripture, but then I always leave the left-hand side of the page for creativity and ideas and thoughts. So that's a practical way that you can do that. And then also, this is something that I have found that was surprising to me. I dream with God when I'm working on something that God's already told me to do. <laughs> That's because, a word. <laughs> like our obedience opens up more creativity and ideas. So as I am working on something, God will open up, he'll, he'll give me a vision for something else. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not done here yet. You know, like, let me wrap this project up. But that's, uh, that's the two main ways is just sitting with God in solitude and in and quiet. And I know a lot of people, let me just put this in here. There's kind of been a wave of doing your quiet time at coffee shops, Mm. but I highly encourage you girls that are listening to get alone with God in your room, in your closet, at your home where nobody else can see you, where you're not distracted, where you're not hearing a million other things. Don't bring your phone in there because all of that stuff thwarts creativity Mm -hmm. and creativity comes from being alone, sitting in solitude where your mind has time to bring the ideas that God has for you. So sit alone with God. So when I'm alone with God and I'm working with God, those are the ways that I dream with them the most. So good. And if you could give your 20 year old self any advice, what would it be? Start on personal development. Like yesterday, I always, I, I have the gift of leadership. God's given me that. And I always just thought, well, when I have position, I'll have leadership. And this is Mm -hmm. very, very untrue. I've had (laughs) positions where I've had no leadership and I've had no positions where I've had extreme leadership. And John Maxwell says that position is the lowest level of leadership anyway, but Mm -hmm. I never knew anything about personal growth. I just thought I have the Bible and I have the Holy Spirit and that's all I need. And we don't want to replace the Bible and the Holy Spirit with personal growth, but they go mm-hmm. hand in hand. 
And sometimes we read the Bible and we don't understand what the Bible is saying. So that's why we need books that give voice and give understanding to what the Bible is trying to teach us. Because everything that we need to know is in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that we can understand everything that's in the Bible. True. That's why Very God- true gives revelation to different people so they can help us understand what we're reading. So personal growth, and I'm a very visual person. I love to watch videos. So I'll type in John Maxwell, or I'll type in how to listen better. I'll type in, you know, all, anything that I need yeah. to. Um, and when you do personal growth, you realize through self-awareness what you're lacking. And that's what I will look for. I'll look for, like right now, God's called me to write. And I'll, I will, I'm reading a book called How to Become a Writer. And it's growth. It's like, I'm not sitting there yeah. expecting the Holy Spirit to do everything for me. I'm doing the work that I can do and expecting him to anoint that work. So good. Such a good, like, practical push that we, yeah. yes like tap into the spiritual, but there's also the practical side and God's in both and yes, we got to yes, grow yes. in both. It is yes. And yes. And, and. and if you have the raw gift of a leader that does not give you influence to build anything, but if you focus on building people through personal growth, they will come alongside you and they will be ecstatic to build the vision that God's given you. So building people up is another huge lesson that I've learned in life. Do personal growth and do what you can to make other people better. Love it. So what is a fun random dream that you have for the future? I hands down want not a retreat center, but a workshop space. Mm. I want to be able to host other people's dreams. So say somebody wants to do florals. Well, I would host them in my space to do a floral workshop or any other, a candle making workshop or anything that brings women together and gives me a space to spoil on them. Oh. And if that space could overlook the ocean, that would really be legit. I'm cheering for that. I'm going to pray for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. I want to, I want to give, use my platform to give other women a platform yeah. and to bring women together because I think that we miss out on that a lot no matter what age we are, we think that we have to push women aside to get to where we need to go, but that's way opposite. If we would put other women's dreams before ours, then we would just coast into the dream that God has for us. Oh, so, 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 so good. I love what you're about. Um, our last little question for today is where can people find you? Two ways. Um, if I, I don't do a lot of different media, but the one thing that I'm constantly on is Instagram. That's kind mm -hmm. of the source that I've chosen. So if you want to look me up personally, it's Amy Stockstill, A-M-I-E-S-T-O-C-K-S-T-I-L-L. And then um, our ministry is letsecho.co. So L-E-T-S-E-C-H-O dot co not.com. And that's our website too. Let's echo.co. And that's where they can find out about the echo weekends, which is my favorite, favorite thing. I do those twice a year. Those are four day weekends that you can come with other women from around the nation. There's 24 women who come plus my team and you can collab on stuff and network. And then it's really a safe place to begin practicing communicating. We give lots of opportunity to speak, lots of activations. You get custom feedback 
And it is a beautiful, fun weekend where God always says above and beyond what I think he's going to do. It seriously sounds like the most amazing thing. And I will link all that in the show notes too. So people will have easy access to all the good stuff. So thank you so much, Amy, for just coming on and sharing your wisdom, sharing the fire and just really blending that practical and spiritual. It is such a gift to have you. Thank you. That's my heart. This is my heart to encourage women and the wild abide women who follow you. I'm proud of you guys for this is personal growth, which is cool. I mean, listening in on podcasts is amazing. And Olivia, the work that you're doing is great. I love it. You're using your voice to spur on and encourage other women, which is what we all should be doing. So thanks for the work that you do. May God expand your influence. Wasn't that just a gift? I am so thankful for the work that Amy is doing, and I really hope that you go over to letsecho.co on Instagram and beyond and just connect deeper and think about even going to one of the Echo Weekends. I think it'll be totally worth it. Just a quick reminder of what we have going on over at The Wild Abide right now. Pre-orders for my first book, I Like Your Tenacity, are officially available and we're doing pre-order bonuses through April 1st, which is our original launch date. So stay tuned for a little virtual party and all the fun things coming up. Until next time, like, share, review, comment, post on your screenshot, do whatever, share this with a friend, and ultimately have a fantastic day. I am praying for you. I am cheering for you. And I love you guys.